Welcome to the Career Medis Podcast. I'm your host, Nisar Ahmed. I'm the founder and editor of the blog, careermedis.com. And this is episode 34 of the Career Medis Podcast. And this episode is part of the Career Expert Series. And for today's Expert Series episode, I am interviewing Daisy Wright from Wright Career Solutions. So before I bring Daisy on, I just have a quick bio so everybody understands a little bit about Daisy. So here it goes. Daisy Wright is a certified career management and leadership coach who collaborates with executives, managers, and mid-career professionals to help them get hired faster. Known as the CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, she exemplifies a positive can-do attitude in her work with clients. Author of two books, No Canadian Experience A, A Career Success Guide for New Immigrants, and the second book, Tell Stories, Get Hired, Innovative Strategies to Land Your Next Job and Advance Your Career. Daisy is also a contributor to 10 other books on career coaching, resume writing, and job search. Daisy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Nisar. It's my pleasure to be here. Likewise, uh, as I was reading your bio, you do have a lot of experience. You're a published author, so it's great to have you here, and I'm, I'm sure with all the questions I'm going to ask, myself and the audience can learn a few things. So yeah. the first question I always ask my guests is, I always like to know where they are calling from. So which city are you calling from, uh, Daisy? Well, I am in the lovely city of Brampton, Ontario, Canada. Okay. For most people listening to this, Brampton is on the outskirts of Toronto. It's a bigger city compared to a lot of the other suburbs. Maybe you can tell us something, Daisy, about, something about Brampton that a lot of people usually do not know about. Well, first of all, it's closer to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's actually part of the greater Toronto area because it takes us probably 45 minutes or so to get to Toronto. It's a growing city. We are now, we have grown to the point now where we're, the government actually just decided that Brampton should get its own university and I'm pleased to be a part of the Blue Ribbon Committee uh, to make that university a reality. Well, that's uh, exciting news. Yeah, Uh, so that's something that a lot of people wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah, that's actually, and do you have any ideas which when this is planned to open? No, 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 we don't know yet. We're just in the, the planning stages. So we're just speaking with people, universities who might be interested, but we're just on the ground floor with that. That sounds very exciting, especially mm-hmm. when you're in the early stages mm-hmm. of something like that. So that's great to hear. I'm yes, sure, it is. I'm sure with your blog and your social media, we will hear more more about that in the future. Oh, absolutely. Um, so let's uh, get on with the interview. I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you a few questions. Uh, I wanted to, I'm always curious. All the career coaches I interview, I'm always curious to hear their story. How did you get started as a career or a jobs or leadership expert? Um, well, I had peaked at my corporate job and, you know, knowing there was so much more that I could do and then not getting the opportunity. And I'm one of these individuals who I don't give up easily. And uh, the first thing I did was to engage a career coach to help me determine and explore other opportunities. I actually love writing. I have a background in public relations and teaching and training. And I used to write resumes for other people for free. So my first step was to start a resume writing business. 
At the same time, I explored some teaching opportunities and I ended up teaching in the executive administration program, the faculty of business at Sheridan College here at the Brampton campus. That's how I actually got started with my business. It started more as a resume writing business. But as I met clients and, you know, helped them to develop their resumes, then the questions came back to me. Now that I have a great resume, how do I interview? How do I really job search? Something hit my hit me in the head and said, you know what? You should seek some additional training. So I enrolled in the career development practitioner postgraduate program at Conestoga College in Kitchener, got that certificate. And since then, I have done a number of other certifications because my aim is always to be one step ahead of my clients so that I can really provide them with information that can make them successful. So that's pretty much how I started. That's great to hear. The coaches that I have interviewed, they share a similar story where they started out from themselves. They were learning to put together ideas. Then once they got very competent, they started helping others. So mm-hmm. that's a very common thread I hear. So the clients that come to you or the job seekers that come to you, what are the some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing that they come to you for? Two of the biggest challenges, Nisir, are one would be uncertainty about their career path. They're stuck in their career and they're unable to motivate themselves, you know, to make a change. And then the other piece would be they're unable to sell themselves well on paper, which would be the resume, and also in the interview. You know, they do get a lot of advice from, you know, family and friends and stuff. But when they come to, you know, people, career coaches like myself, they need a straight talk, unbiased opinion of what's holding them back. And that's where a a, a career coach can help because he or she has the interest of the client at heart and is not afraid to say, listen, this is what you're doing well, but also this is where you're not doing too well and this is where we can help. So a third party... A perspective or a, sec- a second yes. person's perspective always gives them perspective. Okay. Uh, yes, it always does. Because and what happens here is if they get the unbiased opinion, then they can really evaluate. Mm-hmm. They can evaluate that against what other people are telling them. You know, sometimes family or friends will tell them the truth. Other times they tell them what they think they want to hear. But when they hear from a third party... They can then evaluate all these different points of view and come to a realization that, yes, something in this is true and I should be doing something about it. And you brought up a good point about friends and family because they usually tend to not tell you exactly what you need to hear because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Exactly. So when you go to a coach and you have invested some time and resources, you get some subjective opinion, which which is what they need to hear. Absolutely. Once they come to you, what are some of the recommendations you make? You mentioned uncertainty. Before we get into the dynamics, such as Mm -hmm. resume, cover letter, I'm curious to hear, what is the first things you help them change? First of all, it's really to change their perspective. Because when you're stuck for a while, you start internalizing some negative stuff. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm not good enough. I am I'm going for these interviews and I'm not getting getting the job. 
you know, I, I'm not getting the promotion that I deserve and something must be wrong with me. And so I try to help them to reflect on some of the things that they're good at. What is it that people say they're good at? To remind them that, you know, they are good. Yes, they're going to be going through struggles and challenges, but not to beat upon themselves so much. We go through that kind of a process initially. And then there are tools and resources that we use once they come on board and we're entering into a coaching relationship. Then there are, you know, tons of tools and resources and assessment that I administer to help them gain clarity around why am I stuck? What is it that I'm doing wrong? What is it that I'm doing right? How can I move forward as of now? So those are some of the things that we do initially and we build on, you know, each person is different. Each person learns at a different pace. Even though I'm the coach, I allow the client to dictate the pace at which we go. On the flip side, and they do know that, you know, it's not going to be um, a dependency relationship where because my aim is to get them motivated and ready to branch out on their own with the right tools. Your goal is to get them going, not completely mm-hmm. relying on you, because also do some introspection. Absolutely. Can, yeah, that makes total sense. Yep. So once that is fixed, the mindset is fixed. Let's look at the resume, for example. That's, of course, one of the first things people need to get their foot in the door when they're mm-hmm. trying to get a job or an interview. What are some of the top two to three tips that you would recommend to someone crafting their resume? Okay, the first thing is for them to realize that a resume is what I term a fluid document. It has to be tailored to the needs of each employer, right? So it sounds like a cliche because people hear that all the time, but it's true. So if you're applying for a job as a human resources manager, for example, I wouldn't want the person to go and play him or herself up as a marketing manager unless marketing is going to be a very important piece of the human resources job. I tell them to treat their experiences as if it's a deck of cards where they have 52 cards. But then when they need to modify their resume, they're gonna take out 10 of the best cards that fit that particular role. So it is a fluid document because you always have to be modifying it, tailoring it at each point for each employer. So that's point one. The next tip, Some job seekers get uh, fixated about the length of a resume. Should they go two pages? Should they go one page, two pages, or three, or even more? Recruiters usually say, as long as a resume is oozing with value, they shouldn't worry about the length. Having said that, this is where many people have trouble. They don't know what nuggets of information they should include in the resume. For a senior person, for example, he or she might have 20 years of experience and they feel that they should be putting so much, all this information into the resume. That's not the right approach. The right approach is to determine what do I have? What is the employer's buying motivator? What value can I add to this employer? And then they look through their life, their experiences, and see the nuggets of information that they can offer to the next employer. What's one of the main reasons that they seek out resume writers or 
our career coaches to help them because we have been in, in it. We have been doing this for so long and they have been doing their jobs for a long time. Yes. But then they need somebody who can help them to unearth or uncover some of the nuggets that they have so they can really tell their stories to employers and then get hired. And the final tip would be do not embellish any information on the resume. So many times we have read of people in high places, for that matter, who have told, I mean, lies that they had a degree here or they did this or they were, you know, they were the chef for the royal family when nothing like that happened. So employers have a way, it's easy for them to find out what's true and what's not. So regardless of what level you are, be authentic. Do not embellish uh, your resume. Thanks for sharing that, Daisy. And uh, mm -hmm. some of the points you mentioned, it sounds like repetitive information or cliche, but it's mm -hmm. funny how many people do not follow it, right? Ex exactly. Especially the first point, catering or tailoring your resume to each job mm -hmm. and also embellishing or uh, not, including things on the resume that did not happen. They sound like common sense, sound like cliches. It's worth repeating so people understand. It does. And especially in terms of, you know, telling lies on the resume. Once you do that and you're found out, you have lost your credibility right there. Mm -hmm. The fact that you need the job should not be a point where you, you feel you have to embellish it or tell lies about it. Just be your authentic self. Focus on your career stories. Focus on your success stories and articulate those stories to the interviewing panel. And you know, if you do a good job, then you know, you, you might just land the job without having to tell lies. Great point. Once again, mm -hmm. the next question I'm going to ask is uh, controversial. When I say controversial, it's because I've heard different schools of thought the whole concept of cover letters what are your thoughts are they important are they not if so why i don't think it, it's controversial as it is debatable i think that's what it is although many recruiters have said they do not read cover letters my suggestion is that a job seeker should include a cover letter anyway if the recruiter doesn't want to read it they won't and those who want one will read it I remember I did a, a survey of HR professionals and recruiters a few years ago, and the survey came back that 50% wanted to see a cover letter and the other 50% did not. My advice is you never know which 50% will read it, so send it anyway. And then sometimes the cover letter is the right place to explain like gaps in employment you know, or why you would be a good fit for that particular job or anything that the job seeker may want to highlight that wouldn't normally go on a resume. So it is a useful document. And unless the employer specifically states, do not send a cover letter, send it anyway. The most that will happen is that they throw it away. So it is an important document. Thanks for clarifying that. And that, that matches some of the uh, perspectives I've heard from other coaches. Yes, it's uh, as a candidate, don't make assumptions, send it anyway. It might, you never know how it might help you. Right. Unless they're specifically, because you also want to abide by their, their rules as well. So to, unless they specifically stated, do not send a resume. 
then they wouldn't send one. But if they didn't, because in fact, if you look, Nasir, if you read through most job postings, most times they say, send a resume and a cover letter. And then you think again in terms of somebody who is in communication, like corporate communication or public relations or a job or even marketing where they will have to write. Some employers have actually used the cover letter to determine if this person is able to to write a good, you know, a good press release, for example, if you're in co corporate communications. So it is an important tool. And I would, like I said, I repeat, send it anyway. If they don't want to read it, then they'll throw it out. Daisy, now they have someone has followed your advice. They have crafted a good cover letter and they have tailored the resume. They get the call for the interview, right? The, the moment they have been waiting for. They are... They've got the interview, they're going to meet the hiring manager. So what are your top interview tips? First tip is to know yourself and your story. Know yourself and your story. What are your success stories? How did you move the needle? And then focus on results. It's never about your responsibilities, pretty much. It's more about the, you had these responsibilities, what happened? What were the results of that? Job seekers should prepare their answers in three parts. Think in terms of the challenges or the, prob or the problems that they faced. Then think in terms of what actions did they take? What did they do? And based on the actions, what were the results? How did they move the needle? Some people forget to research the company. Research the company and go beyond the company's website. Google the company. Read up on their annual reports see what other people are saying about them, see how they, they compare to their competitors. Because when you go into the interview, you can give sometimes give the, the interviewer information that they probably doesn't even know. Tell them, you know, what their competitors are doing and what they should be doing. So they realize that, yes, you didn't just rely on our website, but you went outside of those boundaries to uncover information that sometimes they didn't even know themselves. Those are some of the main tips for interviews. And the other thing, like, make sure you have your stories ready. Talk about what your achievements, how did you make a difference to the job or the role that you were given. After the interview, remember, you know, send an, a nice thank you note. It could be an email. And you could go as far as sending a, a thank you card, you know, just to be more personal and to do something different that not everybody else is doing. And, you know, help you to stand out. Okay. Sounds good. In terms of preparation itself, like mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm just curious to hear because yes. this is something I like to hear. Based on the candidates you've coached, do, do you have any interesting interview stories that really something that was different? Obviously, I don't expect you to share their names, but just the story would be interesting. Most people, like I said, I work, I do a lot of work with senior executives and senior management and so on. And one of the things that's quite popular is for them to do a short presentation, probably a five, 10 minute presentation. But I said to my, to all my clients, regardless of their level, I said, get a presentation ready just in case. It doesn't necessarily mean you are going to 
make the presentation if they didn't ask you for, but it's a good piece of information to leave with them after the interview. For those who they have asked them to prepare a presentation, they usually give them some guidelines or some challenge that they would want them to present with the presentation. And like I said, sometimes you are not asked to do a presentation. And I'll give you an example. I was coaching uh, a lady, very senior person in, um, in one of the large pharmaceutical companies here in, in Ontario. She was going to, she was being interviewed. I forget the exact title. And I said to her, how many people, do you know how many people internally are applying for this job? And I think she said about five her up against these other five people. So she told me one lady, she was doing the job for um, part of the job for 22 years. Now they wanted to expand the role. Another person was there at the company for three years, the same time like her, you know, he was good. He was in marketing. And I forget what she said about the other two. So I said to her, listen, prepare a short presentation. I said, first of all, get some information, interview people in other pharmaceutical companies that are doing, that already have a corporate responsibility officer. Talk to them and, you know, see what they're doing, what they're doing differently and what you could bring to the table within your company. So she did that. She did, she interviewed some people here in Canada and in the US. Then I said to her, prepare a short presentation. When you go to the interview and once you get settled and everything and they start, just ask them courteously, if you could make a short presentation. And she did. It totally blew them away. One, they were not expecting it. Two, nobody else of the five people within the company, nobody else had thought to go that extra mile to do it. And three, she was able to open their eyes to what their competitors were doing. And as much as the other lady was there for 22 years, as much as the other people were qualified, she ended up getting the position. And it was a little sticky. Well, she thought it was going to be a little sticky because the person who was doing the job, she ended up having to report to her, uh, to my client. But yeah, so those are some of the things that, you know, job seekers, regardless of the level, those are some of the things that you can do differently than others to allow you to stand out, to be memorable enough that you have done your best and anybody else who got that job would have had to do so much better than you. We have to learn to do the unthinkable, do things differently. Just don't follow the crowd. That's an amazing story. And I think that is mm -hmm. one of the reasons I asked that question, because a lot of things we discussed before this was sort of something everybody can apply. Sometimes people are thrown the curveball, like in your, in your client's case where they, not, mm -hmm. they cannot expect uh, even preparing the normal standard things is not enough. So that mm -hmm. is an amazing story. The point, if I can summarize from that story, is always be prepared mm -hmm. to uh, stand out, make an impression, Absolutely. stand out. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all about personal branding. It's all about harnessing your, your unique value proposition and you know how you are able to stand out and be the successful candidate. That sounds great. Thanks for sharing again. So, Daisy, I'm looking at the time. We are coming towards the end of our interview. Mm -hmm. We've covered quite a few ground today. Before we conclude, are there any last words, anything else that you would like to add to what we have discussed so far? Yes, I could add a couple of things. First of all, I, I would encourage our your listeners 
to be active, very active in their in their job search. And even those who are not searching for opportunities, just be aware of what's out there. So keep up with various job search tools. And as you and I know, Nasir, social media is huge. And while a job seeker doesn't have to have all of them, LinkedIn is a must because LinkedIn is, is often referred to as one's resume on steroids because it's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So LinkedIn is a must, but they can explore others. Employers, you know, are searching for candidates on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on others. Having said that, a job seeker does not necessarily have to have all of these tools, but at least be aware of what's out there. It might be wise for job seekers to delete some social media accounts, especially those containing unprofessional information. I was connecting with a, a gentleman this week, and he told me of a tool called Social Sweeper. And I haven't, I haven't even gone on this site as yet, but I understand people can use it to, to find any unsavory things that's on their, their online profile. So I haven't gone, gone on it yet, so I'm not too sure, you know, how it works. So social media is huge. Another tip I would, I would say is always engage in professional and personal development. Always be learning. You know, apply what I call the five-hour rule to your life, meaning all this means is set aside at least one hour per day to engage in some type of learning, whether it's to read, you know, something that can add value to your own professional development. And remember that professional development doesn't have to be a formal classroom, participate in teleseminars and web webinars free and paid, listen to podcasts just like, you know, what we're doing here now. Information is there. We are in the information age. Just make sure that they search and search for the right one. Always be learning. It's, that, that would be my final point because that's how you're able to stay ahead of your competition so that when the new job opportunity comes or the promotion uh, comes around, you are one step ahead. Great points, Daisy. I love them, especially the personal development one. And uh, it's always good to be prepared because you never know when you would need it. That's that's what I got out of that. So thanks very much for sharing that as well. In in addition to the stories and other tips you have shared, I have learned mm -hmm. a few things. I'm sure the audience will as well. So you appreciate I appreciate you joining us and sharing your wisdom. Well, I thank you. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. And I wish all our listeners well in whatever their career goal is. Just go for it. A new year is coming around um, fairly soon. And just make sure that you're ready to take charge of your career. Thanks, Daisy. And uh, th thanks for being a guest once again. Thanks. My pleasure. You're welcome. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Career Medicine Podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview with links to Daisy's website. If you liked what you heard, feel free to subscribe to the podcast. It's called the Career Medicine Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share 
the episode among your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmed, your host for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you.